Welcome to Flippin' Awesome Coaching, a podcast designed for athletes who love a challenge and want to see just how far they can really go. I'm your host, Amy Twiggs, and the podcast starts now. Okay, guys, welcome. We're so glad to have you this week. We have a super awesome special guest. Her name is Briley Casanova, and she's going to share some ideas and some information with us. She has some of the latest information, so I'm excited to have her on this uh, this podcast with us, and I just want to give you just a little bit of background before she gets started. But um, some of the things this amazing this amazing athlete has accomplished is she was a former two-time USA Gymnastics national team member. Okay, and she's also competed internationally. Is that right? Yes. And she was a former senior team captain for the University of Michigan, um, and she's been part of the the three-time Big Ten championship winning team for. Was it 2014, 15, and 16? Yes, yeah. In my freshman year, we got second. So I can't say we we won all four years, but we were close. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so fun. Okay, and then you also worked with cadets and cadet athletes over at the Military Academy, the U.S. Military Academy? Yes, correct. Yeah. So uh, let me give a little bit more, and then I want, there's so many great things here, like so much I can only imagine that you've experienced that I want to hear about it, and I'm sure the athletes will want to hear about it. But you're about to finish up your master's, you were saying, on a theme for retired female gymnasts and their perspectives of body image and identity. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so you're going to help us just get some, some new ideas, fresh ideas on the things that you've gone through either as, this is what I'm curious about. I want to hear about your story, your background as being a national team member, which I was, but a lot, many years before you. So it's different. Gymnastics is the level, the skill, skill difficulty is very different than when I was in gymnastics, right? And as far as how it differs from collegiate and what you're seeing as your master's is as far as body image and those kind of the identity, I think it's all fascinating to see what you've seen on the outside, what you've learned being on the inside and how, what you can offer to the athletes who are just starting all of that. So, yeah, that's a lot to unpack. Um, But I guess I'll, yeah, I'll start, you know, I guess as far back as I can remember, um, I really enjoyed, you know, I guess I should preface, I've always really just enjoyed gymnastics from a very young age. I started when I was hardly walking. I think I wasn't even two years old yet. So I can imagine that there are, you know, similar situations with athletes out there now, like gymnastics is all they know. Um, so that's kind of where I come from. I've just, it's been something I've always known. I've, I've tried, you know, I've tried tap and ballet dance. Um, I've tried other activities, but gymnastics has really always been my, you know, my true love and my true passion. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that really has kept me driven and kept me involved even, you know, after my time in the sport has come to an end. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think that's really important for any athlete, no matter what sport you want to join or be a part of or compete in. Um, that's one thing I guess that I really have always kind of had deep in my heart. So, um, And I think, you know, I guess moving a little bit forward from, you know, two years old, I was on the national team. I think I was 13 at the time when I, um, you know, had the honor of representing my country and being a part of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a lot happens, you know, you grow up, you go through puberty. um, Sometimes it's even put off a little bit. So there's a lot um, that goes on, I think, not only physically, but mentally, just, you know, living life as a, a young kid just a regular kid for, you know, maybe a couple hours a day at school. And then most of my world was mostly immersed in the gym. Um, So I kind of had, I think, a different 
upbringing that was to my advantage. And I know not every other athlete goes through this, but I spent, um, I think up to seven hours a day in the gym and my school days were maybe three hours. I think I was at school two and a half to three hours. So kind of that reverse, you know, more emphasis was on gymnastics for me, but I think, um, I think Sean Johnson actually had a kind of the opposite kind of story where she managed to, you know, go to the Olympics, become a national team member. And she was, you know, she got to go to school for, you know, seven, eight, however many hours a day. So um, I don't say that to say that it can't be done. Right. Um, but that's just kind of, you know, my background um, and where I come from. But I guess, you know, you asked what's the difference between um, not being on the national team mm-hmm. and collegiate gymnastics. I think um, in terms of skill level, of course, there's, you know, um, national team gymnastics, you know, you're at the elite level. It, that part, I think, is only getting more and more difficult. Mm-hmm. But um, I think athletes, you know, with these kind of mental skills that we're learning and nutrition and you know, just um, even academic support, I think we're also becoming better and better athletes as well. So I don't think that that's really anything scary um, or even different because I think that just continues on from, you know, maybe your younger club gymnastics years and in college, I think, you know, college gymnastics staff are really learning to embrace, you know, other resources and support staff on top of just, you know, having your coaches around. So I think um, those worlds, I think they're actually getting a little closer and closer and, you know, they're supporting each other even more. So, um, what do you you see as far as the mental training? You were saying that you think there's more resources now than there used to be. What kind of resources did you feel that you had for mental training when you were an athlete for the national team? And how was that comparison to the collegiate athletic years that you were on the team what's the mental Mm -hmm. training like for you and which parts of those tools did you use for yourself because there's a lot of tools out there but which ones did you like hold on to and say this really helped me focus with my gymnastics to get where I wanted to be were there some mental tools that you really enjoyed or that did you just kind of I mean back in the day we didn't have mental tools we just kind of figured out whatever worked for us right Mm -hmm. but today there's a lot more knowledge out there and there's a lot more concrete information as far as hey if you do this system it works pretty well for like visualization and affirmations and those kind of things. So tell me what you, what you enjoyed, what you learned, what was available to you. Yeah. And I think looking back, I really, I honestly was just so lucky in that I had a really great, you know, my parents, I think were the most supportive um, and like the most, I guess, available resources to me. And they had a plethora of knowledge from their athletic days that they've kind of carried with them throughout the years. So I think the first thing that comes to my mind is my dad. My dad actually really supplied me with some really good, I think just really basic, but just very helpful techniques. You know, I think breaking it down to learning how to, you know, relax. I think relaxation techniques are very important. Um, you know, deep breathing, um, those sorts of things. And even self-talk, you know, how, how you talk to yourself as an athlete, you know, is very important. Um, so I think one solid concrete um, thing that I just remember him teaching me as a child was you always tend to compete better or even practice better with the more relaxed you are, you know, and whether that's physically relaxed, mentally relaxed, the more, I guess, open and relaxed you can be, you just tend to do better. And I never really, I don't think he taught me the science behind that, but that was one of the things where I just really held on to that. And before every routine, I would always exhale because when you exhale, I think your muscles, you know, physically respond to that and kind of also mentally, you can think of it as like letting go 
of you know the stress and tension that you may be carrying. So that's one thing that I can look back on and really um, you know remember. And I still use that to this day, whether that's before a presentation or um, you know anything. I think any athlete can really use that. Yeah, they're just the breathing out right before you start something that's going to require some energy. You just let it all go before. I love that. So you physically just take mm -hmm. a just this, a slow breath out. Is that what you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'd always like just have the intention of making the last exhale before like I jump up onto the bar, get up on the beam before anything, just really like really, it's like a more strong, intense, like really deep exhale. And then I just, you know, jump right in. Very intentional too. Conscious, yes. just get it all out. And, yes. and I love the visual of that because when I see you do that, your whole body is grounded. Mm -hmm. So that's, yes. that's cool. That's a great little tool technique that we can definitely use. So what else did you use? Is there anything else that you kind of remember? You said your dad has taught you some things, relaxation and good breathing, deep breathing techniques. Is there anything else that you remember using on a regular basis to help you get where you are, where, well, where you are today, actually? Right. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. And I think one of the second things that really um, speaks to me is imagery. And I think everyone interprets that maybe in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I just remember as a kid when my dad and my dad never used that word. But as I've, you know, gone to school and experienced, you know, athletics and academics more, I've learned the term for it is, you know, imagery, you know, visualization, you know, seeing yourself do what you want to accomplish in your head before you carry it out. So, yeah, I think that's definitely one of those things that he wanted to teach me intentionally, but I guess didn't know how to as a young child. So, I don't know. I think that's one of the things I really value. So, with the imagery, which I just absolutely love, I love visualization. I love imagery. I think those are very powerful. I like to tell my athletes, hey, you get to live everything twice. You're going to see it and feel it, and then you get to do it and feel it. The feeling is the same. Right. You get to live it twice. But what I wonder, I don't know if you've had this experience, but there's definitely been a few times where I've, when I'm getting the second opportunity of living it and feeling it the second time, it's like a deja vu experience where you've already felt it. You've already seen it. You've already experienced it. And then you get it again. You're like, yep, definitely deja vu. I've done this before. Is that kind of any experiences that you've had? I've definitely had that. And I wonder if you've had the same. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even more so when I physically get to do it post, you know, dreaming about it, thinking about it, visualizing it, I think it's just that much better. And I guess the instance that I've really come to, you know, appreciate and implement those kinds of that kind of skill, I think is learning new skills. So I think I experienced more of that as a, a younger athlete in the gym. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess the less and less concrete moments I had with that in college, because most of the skills I had in college weren't necessarily new. A couple, a couple things I did learn, but yeah, right. I think mostly when the learning new skills stage, mm -hmm. I think is where I applied that the most. So this is one thing I wanted to bring up too, is in college, it is a little different from when you're in club, but college doesn't mean that you're done experiencing new skills. You said that you still, that was one thing I noticed too in college is all of a sudden, I realized I only had a few more years left of this sport that I love so much. I wanted to see what else I was capable of. Did you ever feel that? Absolutely. And I was really lucky with the coaches I had to, um, we, we really stayed creative. I think that was one of the things where, um, 
again, I was really lucky to have the coaches that I had because we weren't afraid to try new things. But also if we saw something that maybe wasn't working for, you know, I'm more of the strong gymnast and not, not very flexible. So maybe learning new leaps wasn't, you know, for me, but, you know, upgrading things on bars, like new combinations or, you know, beam skills, things like that, tumble, you know, tumbling, kind of, I guess, those stronger, more dynamic movements um, yeah. were beneficial for me in learning new things. But yeah, just staying creative was really a wonderful part of the college um, era, I think. Yeah, yeah, and staying open to the idea that we don't, we always say we peak around 16. That's kind of one of those myths. And I wanna say it's a myth because I felt like there was so much more that I wanted to experience that I could create. I love the word create, that you said we stayed, mm -hmm. we stayed create, we were very creative, thinking of more ideas and more things. That college feels felt different than when I was an elite gymnast as well. And it felt different from club in different ways. How did you feel when you were on the national team? Were there things that you felt once you got to college that all of a sudden things kind of opened up in a way where you're like, it's not about them telling me what to do. It's almost like, what do I want to do now? Did you ever get that sense? Because that's kind of one that I felt a little bit like, now it's like up to you. You already have the foundation. They've created a great foundation. Now what do you want to do? It was a little more creative, a little more flexible maybe. How about mm -hmm. you? What was your experience of it? Yeah, I think the first thing that just automatically comes to my mind is related to, you know, floor routines and choreographing, you know, you kind of, I think you do get a little bit more freedom in college, at least with maybe the music choice or the style of, uh, you know, dance that you want to do, uh, maybe the placement of some of your leaps and turns or tumbling um, passes. Um, that was really, I think, one of the most fun and more freeing things, I think, that came with college. Not to say that, you know, being on the national team, it was, like, too rigid or too constricted, because I think I had good coaches that also really listened to me, and we really collaborated and, you know, both put in effort to have a good routine that fit me and my strengths. Yes. Um, but I think just even more so in college, you just get a little bit more freedom and a little bit more fun and I think that's another difference in general, I think, that you see with college gymnastics, you know, with the, the wide salutes at the end of the routine and just more personality gets to be shown a little bit. But I also think maybe in club today, that's changing a little bit more too. So, um, so I don't know, I, I think, but back when I was in college, I think I could see those clear differences. Yeah, and when, when we were in club, at least when I was in club, I felt like there was a lot less, uh, a lot more, um, emotional restriction too, like make sure you don't show a lot of emotion. Let's just listen and uh, and nod and agree and go. And mm -hmm. in college, there was a lot more open conversation of, hey, this is a team. I know there's a team, there's a U.S. national team, right? But it mm -hmm. still felt very individual. And and on the in the college realm, how did that differ for you? I just I feel like there's some differences that for those who are even level eight, level nines who are in tenth grade and eleventh grade and debating if they want to go to college, if it's if it's worth it, there's just so many to me, so many differences when you get to college that's not the same as club. That for me, it's like it's almost a night and day. Like, hey, if you're close, just just go for it. Don't mm -hmm. don't let go of the dream because you think it might be. Um, a lot of things are similar. There's a lot of different things in both places, and there's a lot of things that allow you to feel like I was saying, like you were saying, that maybe there's a little more personality that you get to pull out instead of being told what to do. They want you to experience what you want to do. And you have maybe a bigger voice for your own desires when you're in college. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, I think, I think maybe different athletes also may thrive in different situations. So maybe even as a club athlete, um, you know, maybe if you don't think you're going to fit in in college, at least in maybe 
participating in more of a team setting. I know that can be kind of an adjustment and just part of the process. Yeah. I think you'd be surprised. I think it's just more of, you know, keep an open mind because I, I had to remind myself of this too, looking back that the sport doesn't change. Like what you're going to be doing on a daily basis in the gym won't change that much. You still, you know, practices are going to be practices, you know, they're going to be tough, but you know, maybe a little quicker. You don't get as much time in the gym physically um, in club. In, in college as you do in club. Yeah, so seven hours uh, in right. club. Your body does, like it really does feel it. It's starting to feel the, hey, maybe we don't want to do seven hours of a workout. Right. Uh, and you still have your coach. I think they only have a limited, limited amount of hours that they can have you in the gym. Yeah, I think it's 20. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same now as it was back then. Um, but yeah, 20 hours versus I think I was upwards of 36 hours mm -hmm. in club. But Again, I think that's a, a change to look forward to from club to college, but you also have to think kind of the reverse happens in club. You compete maybe a couple times a year, but in college you're competing for, you know, up to 16 or 15, however many weekends in a row, maybe with a buy or two in between. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of, you know, keep an open mind to those changes, yeah. Um, but again, not letting that scare you because it, I think you learn to have fun with it. And when you're surrounded by a great group of people, that just makes it all the better. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, when everything kind of comes to fruition, it's just, it's more fun than ever. Yeah. And that's the part that I was trying to get out is that sometimes one of the things that for me, something I'm always encouraging athletes is when you're in high school, that's not the time for me. If you're on the cusp of deciding, Hey, is this worth it? What if you always just decided it's worth it? Because there's mm -hmm. something that's going to be different that you may never know if you're not open to the idea. And from my mind, I, I hear a lot of, um, it's taken away from my social life. It's taken away from things that I could be doing otherwise. And I always wonder, because like you, I chose to make gymnastics one of my focus, but some of my best friends are from gym. So my social life, I feel like was a beautiful social life. I feel like some of the ideas that are out there as far as high school is, it might be a waste of time if you don't get the scholarships, but there's still walk-ons. There's a lot of things that are possibilities. So just an encouragement of those who, um, who are in high school, those are hard stages. And you're trying to debate, what, what do I really want to do? Where do I want to go? What's going to happen? Maybe you don't know, but maybe it's still worth it. Maybe it's still worth finishing and following through. Let's see. Yep. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're great. So Briley, we're going to, I want to transition for a second. I just, I hope that helps some of you who are always kind of debating. I get a lot of athletes who are like, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth doing another year. Cause what if I don't get into college? What if you don't, then you get to learn some more skills and get stronger and be in a safe environment and enjoy other people who have common interests. It's, there's, I don't think there's ever a negative to follow through with your dreams because mm -hmm. you don't ever have to look back and wonder. Cause if you, if you keep going and you try it, you can always go, you know what? I made it to college or you know what? I got to college and decided that wasn't for me. Either way, I think there's a lot of positives to follow through and finish with the dreams that you have of college if you're in that in-between debate sta uh, stage. So, but I want to transition a little bit because I want to hear about this thesis that you've been doing. You've been working on a thesis for body image and identity, and I think that is huge. I think especially with post-athletes too, but, but high school athletes, trying to get into, um, to fit in in the way they think they're supposed to physically and with their self-identity. I want to hear what you were doing with your thesis. Give us a little bit of background. Tell us what uh, research you've done, what results you found. I'd love to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll give you guys a little taste of it because it's not complete yet. But um, 
you know, I'm really interested now that I am on the other side of the sport, I'm really interested in learning from, you know, athletes kind of in my same situation. So I graduated in 2016 um, from the University of Michigan in the fall. And, um, you know, I think everyone can, I don't know, maybe not everyone, but I think most young girls can say at one point in time or another, um, you know, you've been self-conscious about maybe not your whole body, but one specific thing that has been kind of bugging you or, um, you know, we all, I think, have insecurities and things like that. So I guess I really wanted to tap into, at least from my peers and my, um, you know, group of people that I know similar in age to me, you know, what is their experience like and how does that interact with, you know, maybe how they performed back in the day. So I asked questions. Um, I had five lovely um, interviewees that I got to talk to and I asked them questions, you know, what was it like? when you were a kid in your gymnastics days, what was it like in college and what's it like now? You know, at least um, I think six months was my minimum time post-graduation mm -hmm. that I had. So um, I really learned a lot. And I think what, it, uh, what a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, our body image concerns and, you know, strengths that we see in ourselves, they come from a whole bunch of different places. So um, it's not a lot of what I found, actually, it wasn't a lot from gymnastics, but it was from, you know, social media is a big one these days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also how you were raised as a kid, you know, if you had supportive environments, people around you that were, you know, um, you know, I guess giving you healthy messages of, you know, um, you know, not only about nutrition, but, you know, how you look and how you feel and, mm -hmm. I think those were a couple of the sources, I guess, from these athletes that I talked to um, that kind of fueled their body image and identity. So that was one of the main things that I've found in my research. Right, right. So what did you find from social media? I'm curious. I know that there's people who, there's athletes that will identify with their past. So um, I remember one of my coaches saying, she didn't think I'd ever swim up. And I'm like, oh, because it was like a past thought. I said, why didn't I ever get to do what, you know, these other people did? And she's like, ah, I didn't think you'd ever swim up. And I remember thinking, well, I'm glad she didn't tell me that at the time, but maybe it wouldn't have made any difference at, the, at all. But what I think sometimes is some of these, some of us identify with our past and carry it into our future. And that's what it impacts what we're doing right now. So the idea of identifying with the, the idea that you're a slow twitch person or you're a short person or you're a stocky person that you'll never dance like that person because you're not a dancer you're not a leaper you're more of a tumbler those kind of um attachments those stereo stereotypes those identities i don't believe that any of those identities are are fixed what do you think mm -hmm. yeah i don't think they have to be fixed either um and i think it's just a matter of you know maybe I don't know, I don't want to, you know, speak too negatively, but, you know, maybe even if a coach or a judge or someone else outside of your zone tells you something that yeah. maybe you didn't think about before about, you know, your physical self, um, you know, it's easier said than done to not listen, but, um, you know, maybe just learning to, you know, take feedback, positive, negative, I think is just a huge thing that anybody or any athlete can learn to do better. And, mm -hmm. you know, I guess, you know, I think, and I think now more than ever, we are becoming more conscious of, you know, how we talk to children, especially about their bodies and what, you know, there's always a better way to, you know, say maybe what you want to say. Right. Um, but it's also important, I think, to teach, especially now more than ever, you know, how to process feedback that's coming from the outside and how to internalize that and, you know, just better yourself. I'm, I'm a huge fan of just trying to become better 
you know, in, in as many ways as possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answered your question, oh. but that's just kind of what I was thinking as you were, you were talking. You're perfect. And I absolutely agree. I think that the more we can help the athletes and everybody realize that feedback from other people actually means nothing about us because what matters is what we think about us and that's it. And when somebody says something, it's just words. And so that's why I'm always telling athletes. And I love that, that you're saying it's, it's just filtering what you do want to take and what you don't want to take, what you make it mean, what you don't make it mean and how it affects you right now. And Absolutely. if it affects you positively, go with it. And if it makes you feel terrible, drop it. It's totally a, a self-created situation. I think when your body image feels negative, I think a lot of it, like you like social media and the way you were raised, those things have big impacts on what we think about us right now. And they don't have to. Right. Whether it's for positive or negative, they just, they don't have to. There's, there's no power in it. The only power lies with what, what we want to believe about us. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. And with the social media, I think it was actually very interesting. One, I remember one athlete I specifically talked to was um, one of the few that interpreted social media and the certain accounts that she followed, I guess, specifically on Instagram. Um, she turned, you know, a lot of the, you know, maybe body types that she wanted to be and maybe necessarily wasn't, she interpreted that as inspiration. And maybe other people would see that as, oh man, I don't look like that. Mm-hmm. What do I, like, what am I going to do? And, you know, maybe get down on themselves, but she, you know, again, like she turned it into a positive and maybe others didn't, but again, it's not to say that the opposite couldn't have happened for either personality type or, you know, whoever. Right. We hear a lot of negative stories about social media, but there are inspiring stories too. There are people that get up there and they go, whoa, that's maybe something I could do too. Is it something mm-hmm. possible for me? Maybe instead of, I could never be like that. It could be, maybe I could be like that. Maybe that's something I could work towards. So I love that you brought that out, that there's sometimes where it's, it's actually not always a negative thing, the social media that gets such a bad rap all the time. Mm-hmm. There are some things in there that are positive. And I think it's beautiful that you've been researching just the body image. I think it's a huge topic for athletes in general. And especially as your body grows and matures and hits puberty. And like you said, we kind of have delayed. So sometimes people think we're like 12 and we're like, no, we're 35 now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, we can do these things. But it's it is interesting the way that when when you grow between club and college and then post athletics, how your body does change and your image, your idea of what you're supposed to look like, does it does kind of hold on to sometimes in your life where you're like, I just want to look like that again. I want to be strong like that again. But does it matter? No, it's totally up to you what matters. And it doesn't mean anything about you being a better person or a worse person. Your body image is a body image that you get to decide what you think about that. And that's it. And you're the only one with that power. So absolutely. That's interesting, Bradley. I really like that. That's that's it. So what did you find out about identity? I just curious. I know we got to finish soon, but I want to hear what you, what did you learn about the identity that some of these athletes were talking to you about? Yeah. And I think, you know, I went, I think I went into my research, maybe thinking one thing and I came out learning another. Um, I, you know, of course I'm, kind of biased. I mean, I'm one of these girls, you know, I have my own experience that I, you know, you're in research, you're not allowed, you know, don't put that on them. You know, I had to really keep an open mind and listen to what they were saying and telling me. And I'm really glad that I did. I mean, I think again, with the small sample size that I had, um, I, I found that they all really were, um, actually not super, at least identity wise invested in the sport. So I think, Mm -hmm. and I think that was one of the protective things that I found. So Mm -hmm. you would think that maybe the more emotionally and, and, you know, just overall invested you are in the sport, maybe 
you would be um, maybe protected from, you know, maybe more negative body image perceptions because you're in the sport where, you know, you wear beautiful leotards, you're, you're fit, you're strong, you're, you're doing things that normal people can't necessarily do. Mm -hmm. So, um, but what I came to find was most, if not all of the girls that I talked to really identified more with their, um, you know, outside of the gymnastics world, their friends, their family, um, Oh gosh, what else? Um, just, you know, other things that they got to do once the sport was over. I think it was very interesting and very, I guess, not what I was expecting to hear, but that ended up being the most positive thing for them. So maybe that's something that the athletes out there listening can maybe do. I love it. So Bradley, thank you so much for your information, for your inspiration. And I have one last question for you. Do you have something that you can leave for our athletes that they could just ponder on and maybe help some of these guys who are just thinking about what they want to do with sports, what, where they're going, what's happening. Do you have something you could just offer them to, to roll around in their minds? Yeah, absolutely. Just my one little tidbit is keep track of one thing every day that you do that was positive, something you accomplished, something you did well at. Um, I'm a huge, I'm a journaler, so I like to write things down. Um, even in our digital world, I think it's important. Maybe just before you go to bed, write down one thing, at least one thing. Maybe three is probably a good number to shoot for, but write down one thing you did well um, or one good thing that happened to you in the gym or whatever activity you do that day. Tell me why. Do you mind if I just ask you, why do you think that helps? Because I have my own thoughts. I'm not going to offer them here, but I just want you to share why do you think it helps to the hand-eye coordination, like the connection with the mental, with the mind, but why do you think it helps to write something that you've done well during the day down? Um, You know, I think it kind of stems from, I've learned, I guess, another skill, I guess you could say that I've learned uh, over the years is gratitude. And I guess you could, you could implement that as well. You could write down one thing or three things you're grateful for that day. But I think in terms of sports, maybe the more, I guess, action or concrete, like evidence, I guess, that you can get from, you know, finishing your practice or competition that day. I think it just keeps you focused on the present. Like you were talking about, you know, focusing on the present, I think earlier. And I think it's, you know, it kind of keeps you, you know, not thinking too much about the past, not thinking too much about the future or what could happen or what might happen, but, you know, something solid that you can come back to at the end of every day and, and just end on a positive note. I think that's just, you know, just a really positive and just really easy, simple thing to do. I love it, Bradley. I absolutely agree with you. I think it really shifts your brain into things of looking forward to more stuff and enjoying what you just did, whatever happened the moment. So thank you. That's beautiful. I really appreciate your time and we will have to have you back sometime. See what else you're doing, where else you're going, who else you're talking with. So this will be fun. Thank you so much, Briley. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Briley, I was going to also ask you, where, where can our listeners find you? What can they do to, if they want to learn more about what you're doing and hear more inspiration from you? Tell us where they can connect with you. Sure. So I just started a new Instagram account. It's at Mental Coach Briley, and you spell Mental Coach B R I L E Y. Beautiful. Okay, perfect. We are so glad you've been here today. Hey, thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening or have questions about something you heard on this podcast, go to Flippin' Awesome Coaching to get your questions answered. Thanks for sharing this episode with your friends. Have a flippin' awesome week. Bye.